Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, June the 3rd. On this week's podcast, we're going to talk about guns and the governor, Trent Gardner's unlikely career move, and who knows, maybe some more. I'm joined again by Arkansas Times Managing Editor, Austin Bailey. Hi. Uh, if Lindsay feels, sounds a little tired, it's because I had some technological difficulties, but we're ready to go now. All right. No whammies. So uh, it was another terrible week for many reasons, uh, perhaps chief among them, uh, the, uh, another mass shooting this time in a, in a Tulsa medical facility happened um, less than a week after the Uvalde school massacre, uh, sandwiched in between the events. Governor Hutchinson made what's become a customary Sunday talk show um, appearance and he said that he was open to, uh, to at least a conversation of uh, talking about uh, making the age uh, at which one can buy an, an AR-15 or a, a similar assault ri- rifle, um, raising it from 18 to 21. And this this uh, got him, you know, some credit among uh, among advocates of gun control and. Republicans pilloried him for it predictably. Um, so that was one thing that happened. Yes, yes. And I um, I do wonder, um, so, you know, he, he did say, hey, I, I'm willing to consider that for AR-15 style weapons. Um, I Since then, um, he, he's talked about this in a way that indicates to me, you know, he keeps he keeps saying, hey, be patient. We need to be patient. There's a lot to learn about these shootings. And um, let's, you know, let's let's uh, let's just have this conversation. And as this has evolved to me, it's it's become more clear that that I think this this may be more just kind of a stalling tactic. I think, you know, we've seen that, you know, uh, the news cycle is everyone is ready to go. Let's make some changes. Let's save some lives here. But if you stall long enough, uh, attention might wander. And, and I wonder if, if maybe that's part of the equation here. It's, uh, as I've often said, the governor's chief political skill is appearing more moderate than he actually is. He's running for president. He's he's said that or he's trying out a campaign and his lane is the less crazy one um and so I, I think that there's there's some political calculus to it you know kind of what you're saying uh it's like let's let's signal that that we're we're not nuts on this but not actually do anything and su- some supporting evidence for that he held uh, a pen and pad session for reporters it's just you know this semi-regular thing that he does where he gathers reporters just to kind of chit chat and this it turned out to be pretty much all about uh, guns, you covered it and came back from the press conference shaking mad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was, you know, the, he, he didn't uh, he didn't tell us beforehand what the topic of the pen and pad session was going to be, although, you know, we could really figure it out. Um, so w- when he came out um, to talk with us in his conference room, he brought uh, with him Cheryl May, who uh, he appointed to head up his school safety commission in 2018. Um, 
And uh, I'm a longtime volunteer with Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense. And um, gun violence is is a, um, you know, a, a cause close to my heart. And at the time, um, as a volunteer, I attended a lot of those of those safety commission meetings and as did a lot of the moms volunteers. Um, and they met a number of times and it was, it just grew increasingly frustrating as, you know, people would present evidence about evidence-based solutions like, you know, smart store, like storage, um, making sure that you keep guns locked so kids can't access them, things that have been shown to work. Um, and, it, you know, it, it became very clear that the point of that commission was not actually to find solutions to prevent gun violence, but really was um, a path to, to, to making the case for more armed security in schools. Um, so, you know, she, you know, when she came out with, with the governor yesterday, um, you know, I knew pretty much immediately that we were going to be talking about spending money on, um, on armed guards for schools, uh, you know, very reactive, uh, measures and, and no proactive measures at all. And, and that's, what what happened um so yeah the, um the governor um says that he's willing to spend 50 million dollars of our rapidly growing surplus we you know we'll have 1.5 billion uh by the end of the year you know money that probably we should be spending you know to address you know child poverty or you know um people, you know, education. But anyway, we have all this money and and the governor's going to spend some of it, you know, for, you know, security for schools. Um, and then when asked, well, what about, you know, addressing, you know, schools aren't the only place uh, where mass shootings happen. What about addressing the root of, of the problem, which is, you know, easy access to guns for pretty much anybody? You know, he really immediately shot that down um, and said, nothing's going to change about uh, gun access in our society. So the best we can do is, you know, uh, send armed guards to schools, basically. And that was that was disappointing. Yes. And uh, the, there's a story followed it in the Democrat Gazette. And um, I, I believe Stephen Simpson spoke to some legislators, including um Senate leader Jimmy Hickey, and he said that any kind of talk of of gun reform was completely off the table. So it's yeah. it's all it's all just kind of predictable and terrible. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Even, you know, um, it, it was interesting. Uh, Hutchinson acknowledged that um, sometimes the wrong people get a hold of guns. Right. He acknowledged people that. Um, <laughs> do have, I mean, although mental illness is really kind of a red herring, uh, he talked about how, you know, there may be people with, you know, criminal backgrounds uh, should not get a hold of guns. But then, um, but then he, you know, so the solution to that and the solution that many states have adopted successfully is then uh, closing that gun show loophole that allows, you know, I could sell you a gun right now out of the back of my car without asking your name and it would be legal because I'm not a licensed firearm dealer. That's called the gun show loophole. We've talked about it before. Uh, pretty easy to close it with some legislation saying every single gun sale, uh, there needs to be a background check. Um he, you know, the governor is not willing to entertain that, um, not willing to discuss it. Um, 
And so, you know, there are these proven uh, solutions to make a dent in this problem. And the governor repeatedly has said he's not willing to consider actual solutions, but he's clearly willing to, to spend $50 million on hardening schools, which, you know, there's not a lot of evidence to, to suggest that that, that actually works. Um, Uvalde, Texas, um, you know, had, you know, it was, it was a pretty hardened school, and, and obviously that did not did not pan out. So it sounds like we're going to um, waste a lot of talk and a lot of money on solutions that are not actually solutions. Also, we're going to have to hear hardening schools over and over, which is just gross, just a perversion of language. And uh, yeah, I hate, I hate it. Yep, I hate it, too. Um, wow. It's, um, you know, I, I, I hope that um, people will, you know, hold them accountable. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know that if it'll be different this time, but we can always hope. Right. Yes. Uh, let's move on and talk about another story that you reported this week, and that is the fact that State Senator Trent Garner, who has uh, has a few more months uh, left of service, his uh, he 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 resigned his position or didn't seek re-election. His father-in-law, uh, I believe, won the the primary election, the seat, and and surely will. We'll carry it. Um, you found out that he's working as a public defender. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is wild. It's what a fun twist in his career. So, you know, Trent Garner's pretty famous um, around the Capitol and, and pretty much everywhere for uh, for being pretty um, surly and, and angry, um, maybe a little PTSD in there, uh, you know, super conservative, loves guns, even in the in the wake of, you know, the shooting in Uvalde, he's been just, you know, vociferous that, you know, we should all have guns and we should probably have more guns. Um, so, you know, he's, he's a tough guy. He um, has tried to pass a bill making it legal to put child rapists to death. Um, he floated the idea of making it legal to run over protesters if they were in the street. So, you know, not, you know, not a warm and fuzzy kind of guy that, um, and, and not, you know, a big, um, as far as we know, has not really been a big, um, defender of people's, you know, chances at justice. So it's, it's interesting that he's, he's now going to be a public defender. Um, I was not able to, to talk with him, get in touch with him to, to talk about this career change, but he, he is working in Union County as a public defender. And uh, it, it could be, uh, there could be more to the story. Uh, Blue Hog report came out uh, with, with a report saying that um, our state laws show that this is probably not uh, above board, really, that being um, on the payroll as a public defender while also being a state senator clashes with state law so so we'll see how that pans out i am eager to find out yeah well let's let's talk about one last story that's of uh potentially uh less consequence uh unless you live in searcy county deborah hale shelton uh new reporter with arkansas times uh ran down a, a factoid this week that uh searcy county had the highest percentage voter turnout in the state 
And we thought that was curious for such a, a rural community to have high voter turnout. And she called around and uh, the head of the Searcy Chamber of Commerce suggested that it was likely because of uh, a hot four-way uh, state house race, state uh, uh, Republican primary race to replace Keith Slape, who was trying to take down Bob Ballinger and failed, and then a hot four-way county judge race. Um, and a little more digging, discovered that the incumbent county judge had pleaded no contest to a felony and several misdemeanors related to a domestic incident uh, involving his estranged wife. So perhaps uh, votes against him uh, propelled people out. Uh, he lost in the runoff. But then further digging, <laughs> discovered that one of the candidates is in the, the runoff who is a, a current uh, JP is uh, was was formerly <laughs> convicted of, of murder, a capital murder in 1976 in the death of uh, a former sheriff and was sentenced to life in prison with parole. But then the, the Supreme Court uh, overturned the, the conviction or, or sent it back down to to the the district or circuit court and he was the he was found not guilty and so uh the this the details of the case are just fascinating and really the stuff of a movie uh and, and would encourage everybody to go read deborah's post to get the full extent of it but i'll see if i can summarize it uh the and part of, I should say, part of what, what Deborah drew from is uh, an excerpt that the Arkansas Times ran um, about 10 years ago from retired Arkansas Supreme Court Justice Tom Glaze's book about uh, politics in Arkansas. And and the section that we ran was all about uh, stealing votes. You know, we talk about voter fraud a lot and Republic, or Republicans like to talk about it. And of course, we know that it's non-existent. Historically in Arkansas, it was a big deal, and he focuses on Searcy County, where it was fairly rampant, and then tells uh, an adjacent story of the murder of Billy Holder, who was a six-term Democratic sheriff, the youngest sheriff in Arkansas history, uh, who was defeated uh, by a, a Republican in 1974. Um the, the the sheriff who lost Holder goes on to become an ABC agent and arrests uh, arrests Robert Basinger who is the uh, JP who's running for county judge now on a bootlegging charge and Basinger was a hunting buddy with with uh, Reeves the sheriff who 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 beat the the uh, the former sheriff who was murdered and uh, some of the details are just wacky the 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 trigger man who uh, who Basinger admits on tape to hiring he got from uh, from a daycare kitty care nursery in Conway <laughs> and at, at one point on tape he uh, apparently threatened the sheriff his hunting buddy to not tell anybody about his murder for hire plot or he'd sell his truck and use the money to kill him. 
Yeah, and if I remember correctly, the going rate was only two thousand dollars for the Trigger Man, which is uh, no, no. I think that was that was uh, Basinger uh, approached the sheriff about about putting in for the hit, and he wanted two thousand dollars thrown in the pot, but the sheriff. Ah. Oh, I was thinking it was a bargain. Okay. Uh, the one piece of evidence was that Basinger had withdrawn, I don't know, something like $17,000 from his savings account. So yeah, was, that, that's it, a little more. It was an, it, it was my favorite news story of the week. Uh, I want to know everything about it. I, 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 it made me miss Charles Portis all the more because it, Charles Portis is, accounting of this would be amazing it needs to be a coen brothers new movie immediately um yeah and i really haven't i didn't do it justice i i should have taken a cue when i tried to explain this to my wife last night and and i had to start over about five times there's just there's too many twists and turns so i mean we need to see it on the big screen to make it make sense i think that that would be helpful so we'll leave it there uh feeling utterly defeated by the week and move on to endorsements. What do you have this week? Okay. So last week, your endorsement was Mrs. Bridge and I uh, have been reading it. I'm almost finished and I would like to echo that endorsement. It's amazing. It's about a, a, you know, a country club kind of lady who lunches in the thirties and just kind of um, her role in the family, uh, her role in society and kind of grappling with, um, she seems really initially pretty devoid of, of inner life and, and mainly she's governed by, you know, social norms and, you know, her role as a mother and wife. Um, and it's just, it's, it's such a, uh, a fascinating study in, um, the difference between the thirties and now. Um, and, uh, anyway, I really recommend it. It's, um, it's like uh, Betty Friedan. This is probably what inspired Betty Friedan to write. <laughs> well, for for symmetrical reasons, I will endorse Mr. Bridge, which I had started, uh, which is the sequel that Evan S. Connell wrote decades, I think, later. And it, it's the the portrait of the spouse in the marriage, who's who's obviously a prominent character in the the first book, but it's all from his perspective. And uh, it's such a it's just such a reward after after getting into the character that you described to to get the other side of it, and the same kind of um, you know very uh, patriarchal, misogynistic. Uh, you know, I'm going to work all all day and not have any relationship with my family uh, kind of thing that that was. Well, I can't wait to dive. I can't wait to dive into Mr. Bridge because I have just finished a chapter in Mrs. Bridge and I don't want to give too many spoilers, but they are uh, in Paris window shopping and she spots him staring into a window and she goes over to see what he's looking at. And he is staring at a black lace brassiere with the nipples uh, cut out. And she is shaken, shaken at what must be going on in his head. So I can't wait to maybe get some insight into that. <laughs> I've forgotten that scene. Pretty good. All right. Well, uh, everybody be safe out there and we'll be back next week.
Bye.